guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it. In today's solo episode, Shawnee's going to ask me questions from the deck of discussion. Never heard of this, but it's basically 52 questions to spark, motivate, and ignite your passions. So it's a deck of cards, and she's going to ask me random questions. I have no idea what she's going to ask me. I have no idea what this is. She brought it to my house today, and uh, we're going to find out together. So let's go, Shawnee. What do you have for me? Okay, this is interesting. So you have released your first product into market. It's selling quite well, but it's getting bad reviews. Do you keep selling it to get rid of the stock or do you cut your losses and stop selling it to try and save your reputation, even though it'll put you in further debt? Mm, That's a great question. What I would do is figure, so you're saying it's, is the product bad or is it just, does the product just have a flaw that people keep on talking about in the reviews? Is it the same issue over and over, over and over again in the reviews? Like I think that question is, has a lot of variables. Well, this is a good thing that you're the boss asking the right questions. This right. Is important. Well, I would say this, I would say if in the reviews, it's the same problem over and over again, maybe it's not the product, but maybe it's a problem or a flaw that needs to be fixed in the product that can help. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't just give up on that. Number one, Mm. number two, it depends on what it is and in the sense that how much are you in debt? Is there a way around that? Is there a different way you can be selling? Is there a way that kind of figure out to me, I would, it's a lot of it's like R and D understanding who your customer is and then giving your customer what they want. So maybe the market isn't ready for your particular product in that way, but there's always, I think that there's no, everyone's always reinventing the the mousetrap in a better way. It's basically taking a mousetrap and making it better. So do you have the new mousetrap? Are you working on the better version of whatever that is? And maybe that's it. Like maybe it's just people don't want that particular product. And if that's what you're seeing in the reviews, then I would actually pivot to something that is much more viable Mm. for the consumer. But I'd first figure out if it's just a flaw and I would make sure that it's not just a through line that you're seeing over and over again before you just give up. I like that. I think that that's a really good answer. It's thoughtful. It shows that, you know, just don't throw out the baby with the bathwater just yet. Like maybe there is a fix. Mm -hmm. And also then you can use that as a marketing opportunity, right? Like you can show the reviews and be like, hey, we fixed all this. Like a lot of times the first innovation of something didn't work, but then they re-innovated, like they redid it and it became very successful. I'm trying Mm -hmm. to think of something right off, like like just off the top of my head that that happened with. It's a good question, actually. I'm trying to think of something. There's a bunch of stuff. Oh, Lady Gaga's makeup line. She had a whole makeup line and they had to completely rebrand. It didn't work at all at the beginning. Right. So it's rebranding. And they, and they completely rebranded the whole thing and then relaunched. I think they even improved some formulas. It was like a whole thing. I think people always redo formulas. They right. rebrand and it becomes successful. So that's what I'm saying. Like a lot of times it can be just in the, it could be in the packaging, mm. right? The packaging mm-hmm. is not appealing. The People don't like the color aesthetic. Things aren't, things aren't psychologically appealing. A lot of people don't buy something for what the product is. It's they buy it's an emotion. They buy out of how it makes them feel more than anything else. A lot of times we buy things we don't need. We buy things because we actually want them because of the emotional part. So if you are not tugging on someone's emotional or heartstrings in that way, or they're not feeling a certain way by your product, it could be very well something that could be rejigged in the overall look of something. Yeah, no, that's good. Okay, here's the next question. This is an interesting one. You run a small charity and your head of fundraising has just posted a compromising photo on their personal but public social media account. What do you do? I ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> just ignore it? No press release, no nothing? I, think, I don't like to get caught up on 
the minutia of things, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's so easy to focus on shit that doesn't matter. And that is so much of what people do now. It's like, I, I mean, if you're a busy person, I can't, I, I don't know how people have the time. It's just, I don't like to busy myself or put my brain in those spaces. It doesn't matter to me. Like, unless it's really affecting my bottom line in a really awful, mean spirited way, I try to not put my attention and my, my energy in that direction. And I just keep it moving. It's a good motto. It's a good motto. I mean, what if it was really comp- What if it was like a like a illegal thing? What if it was something that was well, so that's compromising? That's what I'm saying. Unless it's something that's really compromising, like legally then they're just or fired. hurtful. Right. That's a whole other other thing. But everything. See, that's the thing with these questions, right? It leaves it's so ambiguous because yeah. there's so many different variables that play in. Like every situation is so different that it's really hard to give a overall generic answer to something without knowing all the different variables. No, you you give it. You give. Uh, answers to the various examples like you add in your variables so for example if it was really compromising and, is, and illegal what would you do you'd yeah, okay, fire fine. him so if it was illegal I mean yeah of course I would have to act upon it and I would probably I don't know who this person is right this whoever this person is what was illegal about <laughs> yeah, it do right? you like this do employee re- or not <laughs> how do you reprimand someone do you do you let someone go do you fire them do you do they take a, do they take a leave of absence do you do make a public apology oh leave of there's absence so, there's so many different ways you can handle something so I used to work in media training many years ago in, my, in another former life of mine. And, you know, a part of what we did was we would train top like level, uh, C-level executives on something that happened within the company that they had to make a statement on. Oh my God, how to apologize? No, it's crisis management more or less, right? And this is all very nuanced, right? Because it depends on what the circumstances are. So I've been trained to, or I... I I tend not to like to give overarching answers when I don't have all the facts. Mm. So it's so dependent on what it is. So maybe this game isn't so great for me. No, but what I'm trying to explain is you can just give yourself your own facts, make your own scenario. Okay, and then, fine. You know what okay. I mean? But yes. you answered. You answered a ton of different scenarios. I did answer. A I lot really of like experience. the leave of absence. I actually think that's an interesting one because that's like I feel like for maybe like a, a sex scandal where it's like just some guy's weird kinks that like were revealed. Do you know what I mean? But like it's just uncomfortable for people, but it's not bad or wrong, and like let them have their I, own little thing. And then you're I like, all right, a little leave of absence. I mean, yeah, I just always think that way. Again, right? Like to me. <laughs> It's like someone else's kooky business, but yeah, I mean, yeah. the fact that, yes, it's un- it does affect the business. Like people are very d- offended by other people's other true. stuff. I'm not offended by anybody's uh, stuff. Like it doesn't affect me at all. Like that, but I get, I get it. Like other people are much more sensitive and highly sensitive to that. So it depends on what the charity is, what, like what the person did, who is the person, you know, there's like so many variables. All right. I have a good one for you. This one actually was written just for you. Really? If you were invited to give a Ted talk, what (laughs) would it be? And why? (laughs) Really? I like it. I would do a Ted talk on how to get what you want in life or the secret to getting anything you want in life. You know, I could see that getting really big. Yeah. You think <laughs> yeah, that would be popular? I could see that blowing up. You think actually. that would blow up? That feels viral to me. I feel like a topic on how to be bold and <laughs> how to chase what you want and how to be bold and learn how to be bold if you're not already bold. I like that topic. Fun fact, did you know our brains thrive on ketones? 
Ketones can cross the blood-brain barrier and act as fuel for the brain, helping you achieve and sustain peak mental clarity. And guess what? You don't need to be in ketosis to take advantage of ketones. That's why I turn to Ketone IQ by HVMN wherever I need my brain to be as functioning at its highest capacity. For days, when I have back-to-back podcast recordings and I need my brain to be super sharp, Ketone IQ helps without fail. Just one shot is all you need to enter into that flow state of energy. And bonus benefit, ketone suppresses your appetite. So I'll drink a Ketone IQ shot first thing in the morning before I hit the gym, and I even have incredible energy without any crashes. And I'm able to crush a workout before breakfast. So I'm totally sold. It's been a lifesaver for trying to balance my career, my kids, my workouts, and everything else in between. So if you want to try it out for yourself, you can save 30% off your first subscription order of Ketone IQ at hvmn.com slash Jen. Again, visit hvmn.com slash Jen and subscribe upon checkout for 30% off. Woohoo! Oh, this is a good one. This is interesting because I think a lot of people actually go through this dilemma. So you started your business with your best friend, but didn't sign a contract. Now they are claiming they work harder than you and should get a higher profit share. How do you resolve that? Oh my God, that is such a good one. Okay, this is what I would say. The contract situation to me is very, very difficult, right? Mm -hmm. It comes down to how valuable that other person really is in your business, right? Contract or no contract. Because if you want to maintain the relationship with that person so they continue working, Mm. right? It doesn't matter what the contract says. You're going to have to give in no matter what, right? Oh, that's interesting. So you would actually be inclined to compromise with that person and give them a bit more percentage if they were doing more work. Well, because otherwise my business would actually, if, if I thought, if I think my business would really genuinely suffer from the lack of them being there, mm-hmm. then I would have, I'd be kind of like, I would be kind of caught between a rock and a hard place and have to figure out a way to make that person happy. Now, I, w- I will say something though, that I think is very, very interesting. Most times when people do that, they end up regretting it Hmm. because people tend to overestimate the value of the other person. And the truth of the matter is everybody is replaceable. Hmm. And a lot of times when you actually replace that person, that other person is actually better than the person you had before. But a lot of times we like the devil we know versus the devil we don't know. And so, so what we do is we acquiesce to whatever the demands are of that employee, partner, whatever else, because we don't want the change, we are fearful of the change, or we're scared of how that decision will affect our business. And like I said, the interesting part is a lot of times when we actually do that, the latter, then we end up regretting it. And Mm -hmm. we should have just like cut our losses and found somebody else. Because once that happens in a in a relationship in a dynamic it, it's really hard to go back to how it was because there's always going to be built-in resentment there's always going to be someone who feels that they got the shorter end of the stick and that is why the book like you know the book by Chris Voss like yeah oh Chris Voss is Nicole's yeah. mentor 
Yeah, I love him. Yeah. He wrote the book, Never Split the Difference. I have it at home, yeah. It's Never book. Split the Difference. He was, he was a guest on a couple of times. And the truth of the matter is, because always one person will always feel like they got less. Mm-hmm. So I think you got to trust your gut with these things. But I'm just talking from experience. You know, like if your intuition tells you, eh, maybe it's like not the right thing and you have to just kind of figure it out without it. This is a big one though, because I see things happen on both sides. But in my experience, everybody is replaceable, but I will have this caveat. In today's time, there's nobody available. That's the other problem. There's so, it's so hard to find great people in general, what's going on in the world right now. It's just really hard. Reliable. Reliable, really good. So if you have somebody who has that, depending again what your job is, sometimes it's better just to make it happen, appease them and like come to a, a good place. But overall, depending on if it's a partnership, a lot of times it's good to just, you know, cut your losses and move on. Yeah, I, li- I like the answer. I, trusting your gut is can be so hard in those situations, especially if it's like a friend. What are your thoughts on not changing the percentage, but having them like get a bonus or something instead so you keep the number the same because i feel like giving up ownership yeah you know what i mean because then you're not 50 50 anymore but if they feel like they're working more hours they want a bit more cash well that's the thing like it's about like a negotiation and it's about it's it's really about just figuring out what there's always a way to skin the cat right Mm. so giving up a percentage of a business is way more difficult than adding on a bonus for good work Right. Right, I have no problem by giving people bonuses and paying fees. Yeah. I do have a problem with just giving up an an ownership stake. Same. That's a very big difference in the, in the relationship. And I think that a lot of people would, would agree on that. So you could be creative in how the person gets paid, but I would almost never just go to the percentage of the business. I would first work around the bonuses, ways to be incentivized. There's all sorts of different ways to do that. True. There are other incentives. I always love when people on Shark Tank, they negotiate back or they rebut, rebut, rebuttal, rebuttal, whatever, rebuke with advisory shares. I love that because I just think that a lot of times they're asking for such a ridiculous percentage. And so it's like to sort of compromise in the middle. I just feel like to me or negotiate some form of like a loan form instead of a lot of times it's also over time. So you're not getting your stock that you're talking about when you're getting, yeah, that happens. But also like when you're giving away a percentage of your company, you're not giving it away all at once. Right. They have to work there for you a You have set. to be, yeah, yeah. It's, it's over, it's over time. Yeah, yeah. 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 And like, I didn't know that by the way, until like a few years ago. And I, I actually, cause I was forming a company with someone, I thought that that was so smart. Like this idea where you actually have to work for like a certain amount of years and every year you get a certain amount and like sort of work towards that most deals are like that i've never had a deal where it's like oh yeah here's 20 percent. no you just get that yeah no you have to like you it's it's over it's over a period of time and if you only only work two years you get four percent and then you you know what i mean like it, it goes it goes in time like that Okay, I feel like this will be a good last one. So you own an airline. Customers want more legroom, but to make money, you need to put as many seats on the plane as possible. What do you do? <laughs> we were talking about airlines earlier, you guys. We I know. Them. You know that's funny you say that. I was. I wanted to do one on skip 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 lag skip lag. Yeah. 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 It depends what kind of airline you want to be. Do you want to be a do you want to be a spirit? <laughs> Or do you want to be, um, what's that? What's that? Or what's Air, even nicer uh, than Emirates Spirit? Or <laughs> Emirates. Oh, that's true. Okay, that's a nice one. That's <laughs> a really nice one. That's true. It depends what your business model is. If you want to be a volume business and 
be an economy kind of airline versus an elevated airline. So I think you're making that decision right off the bat of what kind of what kind of brand you're going to be. Mm. But I would definitely say personally, I like JetBlue or something like that. I love JetBlue. Like I could be a nice, I could be elevated, but not totally right. cheap. Like a nice middle ground. Right. And what most people are now doing, aren't they just giving you a million options? It's like, God forbid you go and just get a regular economy seat. It's economy premium, economy yeah. plus, <laughs> yeah. economy plus, plus, plus. Economy refundable, yeah. economy with a with a bag, economy I mean, with, with oh, two yeah, check with, bags. With exactly. Economy that allows you to take a carry-on, some that don't. I know, <laughs> so it's like unbelievable. They're making it so complicated. I mean, literally, you need a math, you need a math professor and a, and a degree to go over it, but... <laughs> Um, I think, I think, I think what there should be regulations and how airlines are even like right now, I feel like it's all a cattle call. There's no room at all. Like it's getting worse and worse. If they're right. If in my opinion, there's no leg room as it is. So at this point, if they make it so there's even less leg room, I mean, you might as well, like, I don't know, like you might as well just, I'd rather just drive yeah. <laughs> at this point or take a train because there's nowhere to even put my ass. There's nowhere to, there's not even a seat in the seat. Right. Wait, can I tell you, I looked, I legitimately looked into boats to Europe last year when I was going to Portugal because flights were so expensive. It's insane. My aunt was like, take a cargo boat. People are doing it. And I looked, I like looked up cargo. I was like, this is not bad. It was a seven day journey, which I don't have that kind of time, but I mean, had I had the time, I would have done that. Oh my god! Super cheap. It was like a couple hundred bucks. Really? Yeah. This is cool. The deck of discussion. Uh, this is Isn't not. A, this is not a promo. This is not an ad. This is just something that, like I said, she just brought over here. Yeah. I, I I love this deck of cards. I actually got it at an event that I went for Jen like ages ago, and I just thought this was so interesting. I started reading through them. I usually hate these kind of cards because they're a Did little you say bit for me. It was the uh, almost thirty thing. Oh yeah, right, you can, right, right. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So I usually hate these because they're usually like very spiritual and kind of annoying. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like and that's emotional. Not, that's, I like that and too. And these are very businessy. And we should I do love it. them. I love them too. Yeah. Would you bring it back? Yeah, we'll bring it back. Let's do more. Thank you. Okay, guys. So uh, we're gonna do another one like that. Let us know if you like it. It might be like boring. I don't know. So you tell me if you if you got any if you gleaned anything from it. And don't forget to subscribe. Have a great one. Bye. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.